Well, you know, I believe there's a, such a thing as a state of the union for the church. The Church of Jesus Christ in America. Some parts of the Church of Jesus Christ in America are out of control. Some parts are running a fever. Some parts have lost their mind. Some parts are making terrible financial mistakes and decisions. Some parts of the body of Christ are making moral mistakes and sin. Some parts are fighting and cantankerous with each other in the body of Christ. Some parts of the body of Christ are mean and critical. I think I've met all of those people so far. Some parts are self-righteous, pseudo-intellectual, Calvinistic. Some parts are backslidden out into the world. They've given up living for God and going to church. I meet them going door to door on a regular basis. Some parts of the body of Christ are doing right and where they ought to be. Praise God. Some parts are excited about soul winning, excited about bus ministry, excited about witnessing to their neighbors and sharing gospel tracts where they shop. That's beautiful. Some are excited about living for God and being, being holy in secret. Praying in secret, he that seeth in secret will word thee openly. Some of the parts of the body of Christ are doing good. There always has been a remnant of people that want to do the will of God, even in the darkest times of history. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some of honor and some of dishonor. That describes the body of Christ, and that's what he's talking about there. There are all kinds of people in the body of Christ. I mean, we make up a wide variety of folks. Uh, people have been saved out of motorcycle life, uh, all tattooed up and, uh, with their Harleys and everything, and they get born from above. Some people from high society get born from above, and every walk of life gets saved. Even Spanish people get saved, amen, Cubans. Some Cubans. I can testify tonight that Cubans can be saved. Amen. In the parable of the dragnet in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 47 through 50, let me read it. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered every kind. That's a variety of the body of Christ. Which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good in vessels and bad cats the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels, and I talked about that this morning, Angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into a furnace of fire and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's just different kinds of, there's not a church without tares in it. I wish I could say that differently, but I can't from knowing the Bible. There's, it, makes me, it makes me almost sick at heart to think that there are people that sit in local churches where the gospel is preached and yet someday they're going to be cast in the lake of fire having sat under the messages of the Bible. But I think our first example would be Judas Iscariot. He sat under the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the miracles firsthand, straight up and down, uh, all of the miracles the Lord Jesus did. Now, how can you be lost under that environment? How can you do that? Well, if Judas could be lost, and he was, under that tremendously positive environment, of the gospel, well, then people can sit in local churches with preachers a whole lot less than Jesus and be lost. It's sad to say, but that's true. There are all different kinds of people in the in that supposedly make up the body of Christ on earth. In the mid 1800s, the local church, the gospel of Jesus Christ, saw the inception of a lot of heresies, 
It was amazing to me when I did my homework on this. The Jehovah Witnesses were started in the 1800s. The Seventh-day Adventists were started in the 1800s. The Mormons, Joseph Smith and such, were started, Church of Latter-day Saints, were started in the 1800s. Armstrongism, if you don't know what that is, I'm glad for you. You don't need to know it. Those, that, was, that heresy was started in the 1800s. The last few decades, we've seen things like the Tongues Movement in the 60s and 70s. We've seen the Charismatic Movement come up. We've seen the Health and Wealth Movement, which is alive and well on planet Earth. We've seen the Willow Creek Movement, which is the megachurch movement. The so-called Christian Rock Movement has come into existence. These are, these are heresies that have come into existence in, in the 1900s, as well as these others that I mentioned in the 1800s. The so-called the Ecumenical Movement, or the Promise Keeper Movement, came up. The Ecumenical New Evangelical Movement, where they, they believe most of the Bible, but not all the Bible. The day, remember David Koresh? David Koresh over, I think was he in Texas? And he said he was a Christ. Of course, burnt the house down over himself. We saw Jim Jones and his movement take over 800 people in death. We saw the Heaven's Gate movement and other movements coming. And so you can say, Brother Bill, you are really being negative so far. I'm doing that on purpose. This is some of the negative things that have happened. With all this, I can say only one thing tonight. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. I like a song that we sing at junior church. Everything's all right in my father's house. In my father's house, in my father's house. Everything's all right in my father's house where there's joy. Joy, joy. No matter how dark the day may become and no matter what the future may hold for the church of Jesus Christ, no matter what persecution may come our way, and we are a hair's breadth away from persecution. Just a hair's breadth away from persecution. Your preacher is not far from jail. Uh, maybe Trump and I will have the same cell. All they have to do is make a law that you can't speak against homosexuality or can't speak against transgenderism. And they can classify that a hate crime. And the first sermon I preach after that law will be against those things because the Bible's against them. Don't you let the pressure of the world tone you back and keep you from calling what's right, right, and what's wrong, wrong. God forbid that what they're doing is calling right, wrong, and wrong, right. And, of course, that, that's, that's the devil himself. But we're supposed to call it as it is. That doesn't mean we have hatred in our heart. It doesn't mean we have, let me tell you this, if I warn you about something that can hurt you, I love you. I don't hate you. I love you. My, oh, my. Aren't you glad tonight that though all hell may break loose on the church, that all the subtle plans be hatched in the demonic minds of the forces of darkness against the church, though the tide of public opinion may go against us, though the plots of wicked men and women may, may, may come against us, nevertheless, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. You can turn to that now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. He says there, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. You may want to mark those three words. The Lord knoweth them that are his. 
And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. When God puts his seal on someone and something, who is big enough to break that seal? I used to work on the railroad. I worked uh, from uh, Elkhart, Indiana to, to uh, Blue Island, Chicago. That was a 100-mile run. You got you went to Blue Island, turned around, came back to Elkhart. And it took about a mile and a half, train long, about a mile and a half. We would run it to there, drop it off, pick one up, come in the other way and run it back. My grandfather worked 46 years on the New York Central as a fireman. My father-in-law, before he died at 48 years old, had worked pretty much his whole life as a fireman also on the, the Penn Central, I think they called it by that time, as a fireman. So when I went to get a job, it's who you know, not what you know. I went to get a job. I went in there and I said, I'd like a job on the railroad. And he says, why should I hire you? And I said, well, my grandfather, Hartman, has been his whole life in the railroad, and my, and my other father-in-law, Tom Moore, and he said, you're hired. No filling out big, long applications. It's a good old boy system. If you know somebody and they know somebody, they just hired me in. And by the way, at 18 years old, I was making the wages of an adult, a full-blown adult. I was making about $125 a day at uh, 18 years old. That's unbelievable pay. I really thank God for unions till so they went belly up. But uh, they went belly up. They milked that company so bad the union really broke them, and they had to dissolve it. But the Bible says we have a seal upon us. Aren't you glad God's got a seal upon you tonight? We're not floating through this thing wondering what's going to happen. We got God on our side. And if God puts a seal on me, there's nobody stronger than him can break it. And we had those, those cars that we, sh we shifted back and forth. The federal government puts a seal on those, on those, those cars. They, by the way, we shipped a lot of very valuable things. From Detroit, we shipped whole carloads of, of motors. We're talking brand new motors put on a wood case. We'd have like 100 motors on one car, V8s, V6s, you know, sixes, V8s, and everything. And so what did you have to do to get in that car? They didn't, well, I was always amazed they never put a lock on those cars. No, I would have thought they'd have put a big boy, bad boy lock. You couldn't get in. No, they, they weren't locked. They were shut, and they had a little aluminum seal put on there by the federal government. And if you broke that seal, that was a felony, a big-time felony. Uh, so it wasn't the authority, the authority of whether they could break into it or not. It was the authority of the federal government says, if you break into that car, you've committed a felony, a high-degree felony, and we'll be after you. And boy, they did break into them. And we, we had quite a, that was like working in the old west out there. When God puts a seal on someone or something, who has more authority than him to annul it? No one. It says in Ephesians 4, 6, one, there's one God and father of all who is above all and through all. And you know that God's southern and in you all. That's right, that's what it says in any you all. So you all Southern, you all is biblical. So he has the most authority. Nobody has more power than him to break the seal. Nobody has more authority than him to break the seal. <clears throat> when God puts a seal on someone or something, uh, will he lie or, or later on deny it? The Bible says God cannot lie. Titus chapter 1, verse 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie 
promised before the world began. God can't lie. So if he says it, he says he put a seal on you, you're sealed. You can trust it. The devil wants to come by and make you feel like he's lying to you somehow, kidding you. No, he's not. God's serious about it. He gave his only begotten son you could be saved. He sealed you under the day of redemption. Glory to God. Some days I don't feel saved. How about you? I'll be honest with you. Some days I don't act saved. If you worked around me long enough, you'd see all of that. And if I may say this way, if I worked around you long enough, I'd see that too. I've never, seen a to- I've never seen a totally sanctimonious individual who never didn't have some problems with the old flesh once in a while or didn't walk in the flesh once in a while. Once in a while, I'm walking in the flesh, not in the spirit. But that doesn't mean I'm not sealed. God sealed me under the day of redemption. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.6. The responsibility of my salvation when I trust him by simple faith is up to him, not me. It was up to me to act in simple childlike faith and trust him. It's up to him to keep me. And he can do it. And he will do it. When God puts a seal on someone or something, who can overthrow it? Who can overrule it? No one. Romans 8.31, what should we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Nobody. So what is this seal he put on? Verse 19 says, The Lord knoweth them that are his. Take your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 10 and verses 1 through 5. I'll just quickly read those. These are one of my favorite passages in the book of John. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. You get saved God's way, or no way. you got to go God's way. It's us conforming to him, not him conforming to us. Verse 2, it says, But he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. Now, that's an interesting statement. It doesn't say hear his words and, and know what he's saying so much as it is hear his voice. If my mother, I have, my mother's been dead since 2008. My dad's been dead since 2001. If my dad called my name that night, I'd know it was him. If my mom called my name tonight, I'd know it was her. She wouldn't have to identify herself, show a bunch of ID. I know her voice. When she had dementia so bad, she was in a, they go in a kind of a fog, you know, you kind of live in a fog. And once in a while they have an awakening. I've seen it three times with my mother. It came back, I mean, perfectly back to normal. And how did I know she was awake? I mean, she was awake, but I'm talking mentally back where she should be. She would say, Billy? And it was different than she called. When she had to mention it, she'd call me Billy too. But it wasn't the same voice. When she came back out of the fog, her voice would change to the voice I remember as a child. She'd say, Billy? And I'd say, Mom, you're back? You're back? And she'd say, yeah. How you been? What you been doing? And we'd have about a 30-minute conversation. I've told this before. And it was a perfectly logical, straight up and down. And all of a sudden, she'd go back into the fog of dementia. And she'd be gone. Jesus calls you by his voice. 
You say, how can you tell his voice from everybody else's voice? You know his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. He calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. Twice in five verses they know his voice. And the stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. I don't, usually don't like to tell about people that are here, but no, no, otherwise known as Nora Carbon. I remember she came in, she wanted to join the church. You came here early on, wanted to join the church, and went with the deacons. Now, you may not even remember this, but you came in to meet with the deacons, and when we have people meet with the deacons to get, to get join the church, we just simply ask them, could you give us a testimony of your salvation? You know, we want to know whether you're saved or not. That's what we're looking for. And so Nono began to tell us her history, how she had for a while been met with the Jehovah Witnesses and, and just knew that wasn't right and, and uh, had some other areas. And I've had some other people come in beside her that had also had met with different people and different groups and different heresies. And they just something told them that just wasn't right. The voice, the voice of the Blessed Holy Spirit was telling this isn't where you want to be. This isn't right. And that's what this is, this is, this is talking about here. What a picture of security we have in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. He's our shepherd. Nobody's stronger than him. Nobody's, nobody's got more authority than he. He said in Matthew chapter 28, all power is given unto me. I think it's 28, 18. All power is given unto me. Well, if all power is given unto Jesus, nobody's got more power than he's got. And he says, you're saved, that's good enough for me. Amen? When God says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. What a, what a, what a special voice he has, a voice of love and tenderness for us. What a special call he has for us. What a special leading he has for us. He's our shepherd. I like to quote sometimes. I don't know. Do you ever get down? you ever get down sometimes? I've gotten down numbers of times. I don't often get down emotionally, but once in a while I get down. It's rare for me. When I, when I found out I had the shingles a couple, three weeks ago now, I, it, it, it put me in a... Having the shingles is more than having some physiological problem. It's an emotional thing. I've already been sick enough. I figured I, I, I paid my dues and shouldn't be sick anymore. I've already been, been out of the pulpit more than I ever wanted to be because of the different stuff happening to me. And I, when I got the shingles, I knew it was going to be a, a fairly long problem, not a short problem. And I got down. And I was just wandering around the house saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I just kept going through the Psalm. I quoted whole, whole Psalm 23, quoted some other passages, and that lifted myself, it lifted my spirits back up. You know, David, the Bible says when he was down, he encouraged himself in the Lord. That's what that means, Yazi. That's why you're memorizing the scriptures, Yazi, because sometime when you're having trouble, you're going to go back to those scriptures and want to quote them. You want to want to have them in your head. Now, you can read them in the Bible if you know where they're at, but it's better if you can put them in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And so it's in my heart. Sometimes at night, I don't know if you've ever had trouble at night. Sometimes I have trouble at night and I, I just start quoting the Bible. 
and God will come and give me, give me grace and give me peace to overcome. Uh, a false prophet may speak to you in all kinds of real slick ways to try to lead you astray, but your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is your bond. It's your seal between you and him. Years ago, George uh, Bush, remember him? George Bush, the one that had children, not the first one, but the second one, had a couple girls, if I remember right. Is anybody with me on this? It's awful quiet. So George Bush, he uh, had a couple girls. Now, how many teenagers, Yossi, do you think that if you called the White House, they'd let you visit the president? Yeah, you can forget it. You ain't never going to see a president. He doesn't even know where he's at. But anyway... But you wouldn't get in. I can pretty much say no matter how nice you are, you're not going to get in. George Bush had a couple daughters. One phone call. One phone call. Hey, Dad, I want to come see you. Come on. Now, now President has pretty pretty good amount of uh, FBI or whoever, CIA, whoever, whoever protects them. They got a pretty good security system. You don't just get into the president. You've got to go through some layers of security. George Bush's daughters didn't have show ID. They didn't have to come there and say, hey, I'm this. This is my letter. They just were able to walk past the guard. Hello, 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 hello. It was because of their relationship with George W. Bush. If I got the right one, George Bush. The same way we're going to be able to go to the Lord Jesus, walk past the cherubim and seraphim to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of our relationship. The foundation of God standeth sure. Why? He has a seal upon you. He knows you who you are. He knows your intimate, most intimate part of you. He cares about you. He has a a relationship with you. In fact, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God is in us, never to leave us. God himself has made his abode. The very holy of holies, biblically, has been put in me. Wow. You know, when Jesus was crucified, the Bible says that holy of holies curtain tore from the top to the bottom, from heaven to earth. God the Father who had kept them out of the Holy of Holies because of their sin could finally, because of the blood of Christ, could finally take that curtain which held them away and rip it from the top down. Now the way to the Holy of Holies has been made open to you and me through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the birth of the salvation, through the relationship we have with him, being sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's good to be a Christian. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All we have to do is follow. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All we have to do is follow. God is going to take you through all that this world, the flesh and the devil have to throw at you. He's going to take you through all the way home. 
He's going to see you through all the way home. And one of his angels is going to escort you into a place that he's prepared for you someday. I hope I get to see you folks there someday. I hope we get the fellowship with some of the people that have gone on. I don't know that that'll be true. I don't have a verse to give you on that. It would be nice. It would seem like it would be nice. But whatever's, whatever he says is going to be good, I'm, I'm good with it, you know. Maybe seeing me wouldn't make it heaven. I don't know. There's some people would feel that way. This is a state of the union message tonight. No matter what kind of grave condition the church of Jesus Christ may seem to be in, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure tonight that the old depressed Christian or despondent Christian or desperate Christian or dismayed Christian or discouraged Christian, God has this thing under control. And then the verse ends, if you look at verse 19 there, He that nameth the name of Christ does what? Departs from iniquity. It's interesting at the end of that verse, he puts the reason why we don't do our thing, we do his thing. Iniquity can be translated doing your own thing. Jesus said, I'm the way. It's God's way or the highway. You're not getting in any other way. You've got to go God's way. So one of the challenges for a born-again believer is to begin to conform your will with his will. But one of the problems with us is we have our own will, our own way, our iniquity, that we want to do things the way we think they ought to be done, not necessarily the way God says they ought to be done. But sanctification, the whole, the whole subject of sanctification, being set apart from evil and to God, is simply... God allow, taking our, our way of doing things and making his way our way. That's what it's about. To where you begin to think like him. You begin to want to do things his way, not your way. I think of the two people mentioned in our book here of 2 Timothy, Hymenaeus and Philetus. He says, he says, they said their word doth eat like a canker, cancer, what that word is. They eat like, eat like their word eats like. There are some people in the local churches are there to tear the local church down. Their word doth eat like a cancer. Nevertheless, the foundation of God sent us sure. Rejoice. Tonight, in the security that the Lord Jesus has provided for us, that God has provided for us, thank God for 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 and 20 that he's given for us to meditate on for a few minutes here tonight. Father, help us tonight. Anoint us. Help us to have wisdom and understanding from above. Cast out the tormentors. We pray, my God, that you'd help your people to be excited about living for you, to be thrilled about living for you, to make, to make your will their will. <clears throat> they depart from iniquity, as the Bible said. Thank you for sealing us by the blessed Holy Spirit of God. I pray that you'd work tonight in the hearts of these dear folks and those listening in. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you would stand with me, we'll sing a couple of verses just as I am. Maybe God's touched you in some area totally unrelated to what I've spoken about. It could happen. And God's touching you in an area. You may maybe He's been working on you to make a decision and to, to serve Him in some way that you're not haven't been willing to serve Him. Have an area of have an area of, of of resistance in your life. That's the first place the Holy Spirit will go. He wants you all. All I can say the better best way to live for a Christian is Lord, whatever Your will is, okay, I'll do it. I don't see how I'm going to do it. I don't see how it's going to make a. I'm going to make a fool of myself doing it. Paul said, I'm a fool for Christ. I get where he's coming from. But I'm going to do it. If you call me to do it and you want me to do it, I'll do it. And God will be with you all the way home. You come do business with him. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 one, two, eight, five. Thank you and God bless.